Welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel. Hey guys, I'm Mike. And uh, we're going to recap the week that was in All Elite Wrestling. We're going to be talking about the January 8th episode of Dynamite. And uh, before we get things started, Mike, how are you doing? You know, I mentioned last week that I was finally not sounding like a smoker and I had a a cold relapse and I am now sick again. So I apologize for the <laughs> audio quality and I apologize for any coughing that I may have throughout the show. I'll try and mute myself if I have to, but I was on a, a work call the other day and I started coughing and my boss literally said, who's dying? So not... <laughs> not the best impression and then i when i went to the doctor she was like you've been sick for how long i'm like about a month and she's like wow you're just really unfortunate which is just <laughs> just the ego boost you need from your healthcare provider so uh yeah that's exactly been, what you want to hear from your doctor <laughs> exactly exactly she's like well sometimes you know you get a cold and then and then you just you get unlucky and and you're really unlucky and I felt offended. So, um, <laughs> but for the most part doing good, you know, trying to just get back in the swing of things. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah. Uh, coming back from the holidays has just been a whirlwind. It's like, I thought I was busy then and I'm, I'm really glad to be getting back into the swing of things, but it's been tough. I mean, you know, I'm training for a marathon, so, uh, that's been sucking up a lot of my time. I started watching breaking bad. I mean, I know I'm late to the party, but uh, <laughs> finally watch. I got to yeah, watch something bit. while I'm on the treadmill. So and, uh, you know, you, you, I can't like put wrestling on because I need something that I don't have to pay super close attention to, like something that's mostly dialogue driven uh, because I don't you know, want to be staring at the screen constantly. And so something like Breaking Bad that's very narratively driven works perfectly. So so I'm getting down on that. My marathon is in uh just under five weeks. So it's really creeping up. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, that's going really well. And I'm excited to to get on with that. So without any further ado, let's uh, sorry. Oh, oh, I'm uh, I'm in season two, few episodes okay. in. Um, and I just started like, it'll let you know how much time I'm spending on the treadmill. I just started watching it like a week and a half ago. And I'm already midway <laughs> through season two. So Jesus, it's a uh, well, it's a fantastic yeah. show, and it only get it's it's one of the only shows I know that just it was a completely uphill like climb. It never like got worse. Every season got better and better and more intense. So, uh, not 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 a I'm bad thing it to so watch far. You're trying to keep your heart rate up. So anxiety <laughs> inducing. Yeah, but I'm liking it so far. Without any further ado, we'll get into uh, a recap of of the week that was. Uh, so January eighth saw. Uh, Page and Omega kicking off the show against Private Party, uh, which I thought was a pretty good match. I enjoyed that. I think they're they're doing a good job of playing the drama between Page and Omega, uh, who did come up with the win. And then we saw the long-awaited match between Rio and Chris Statlander, uh, where uh, Statlander was the recipient of some interference uh, from the Nightmare Collective, and Rio went over, getting the reluctant victory there. 
uh, Sammy Guevara defeated, defeated Christopher Daniels in uh, what was a very well-worked match. I think they complemented each other really well. The uh, Rhodes brothers went over the Lucha Bros uh, in a really entertaining match. I always love watching the Lucha Bros, especially getting to see Ray Phoenix in action. Dude's just incredible. Uh, and then uh, there was a really fun segment with uh, DDP coming out to confront MJF and uh, really great to see him back in the ring. I'm excited to see where that goes uh, we also saw a promo segment with uh, kip sabian who came out and talked some trash so that was enjoyable as well uh, jurassic express defeated best friends uh, with orange cassidy in what was a very entertaining match uh, so so that was a lot of fun and then of course the big segment that's got everybody talking the Jericho Moxley promo segment that closed out the show with the long, long, drawn out tease of, you know, I'm saying yes and I'm accepting everything. And then, oh, no, I'm just kidding. So uh, lots to talk about this week. Uh, Mike, what what grabbed your attention? So I, I'm kind of going to start with a with a stock down, a, a little negative today. Uh I felt this show was insanely overbooked. And I think there's no better example of that than the women's championship match. And we talked last week about how we hopefully thought that this would be the last match before the Moxley segment. It was the second match. And we were hoping that they would allow them to just have this rip roaring, you know, high energy 15, 20 minute match where we could have them show off. And as soon as I saw Brandy on commentary, I knew this match was not going to live up to what we hoped for or what we wanted. Um, and it just felt there was so many, like it was hard for them to gain momentum in the match because they had all these like side effects going on. And I'm glad it didn't end in like a typical other wrestling company. Schmaz finished with like a DQ or something like, like that. But like it just it, it felt it just kept feeling like it got interrupted. And before all the shenanigans started on the outside, like the like they cut to commercial and a lot of cool spots happened in the picture to picture. And we didn't even get like those cool spots as like the main focus of the match. So um I, I really wanted this to be a showcase for the women's division. And I felt it was honestly just a cluster. It was it was I, I didn't like it. I don't think anyone really came out looking good. And my only hope is that we're going to get this Statlander Rio rematch, which they've been kind of teasing on social media, you know, saying, are they going to get their rematch? And Statlander's like, well, I sure hope so. So uh, I hope, I hope that we do. And maybe that's at revolution, but I, I was already iffy on the nightmare collective and I'm even more iffy on the nightmare collective after whatever the hell this was. So I think the match for what it was, was really good. I thought that Rio and Chris Statlander have really, really good chemistry in the ring. And the spots that they were pulling together looked crisp and smooth in just a showcase of two really good workers right up until it wasn't. And the interference from Mel and Awesome Kong and then... Luther coming out that like I don't think 90% of the viewing audience had a clue who this person was or why we should care about them uh, really took the air out of the ball so uh, I did really enjoy 
Brandy healing off on commentary. I thought she was very entertaining and had some good lines. But from the point where she left commentary to kind of go get involved to me is when it really went downhill. Cause even when there was a little bit of interference from outside and you had Rio and Statlander uh, doing moves to the outside, kind of interrupting the match, that was still okay because you know, it's part of the narrative. It's part of the drama, but once it switched to being no longer about the match and now it's about the interference and that's the main focus, that was really where it started to, to go downhill for me, uh, but I thought everything up to that point was really good and gives me a lot of hope for what they can do uh, because those two absolutely can tear down the house if they're given the opportunity. As soon as I saw it was going on second, I knew it wasn't going to be a decisive finish and that we definitely weren't going to see a title change hands. So yeah. uh, I agree. That was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I guess it's just because I was so hyped because we know how good Rio is and we've seen you know, in AEW, what Statlander can bring to the table. And yeah, you're right. They, they had some cool spots when the focus was on them. I just feel like for like a 20 minute segment, the focus on the two people in the championship match was like a quarter of that. And I, I, I disagree about Brandy on commentary. I, it sounded, it didn't sound natural to me. And like some of the stuff she said, I was just like, ah, oh, she, I like normally I would laugh at something as stupid as keep calling Excalibur exhibit, but just the delivery and because I wanted this to be about the women's championship match. And I think I've said on this podcast before, like my big thing with commentary is I'm not a big commentary guy. Just don't distract or detract from what's going on. If you can elevate it. Great. If you're a Maranalo and you can elevate the match. Fantastic. That's awesome. Just don't. I don't think Moro elevates I... the match. <laughs> That's a different <laughs> well, conversation, I mean, but I well, think Moro takes away just as much as anyone else. But interesting. I, I just I, I wasn't I wasn't sold on it. And like, I know she's trying to be weird, but some of the stuff she was saying is like, do you shower? Are you that ugly because you wear a mask? I was just like, ugh. it was it was grown inducing for me. I, I I did not that 20 minutes of the show. I was extremely extremely disappointed with but I, I try to see the best in everything so there was a few things i liked about the craziness we're finally getting more of the women's roster involved because we had big swall um come out at the end and who who else also ran out with big swall it was um i wrote it down somewhere um blah 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 blah, blah. oh yeah sunny kiss came to the ring which i guess maybe maybe that's something they've been doing on aw dark i don't know i've been watching but I like the potential combination of, of Swole and Sunny Kiss if they're going to be uh, working together. And I like that Britt Baker kind of refused to come in to help after uh, Sheeta did. So mm -hmm. while I thought it was overbooked, like we're finally starting to see more more women involved in the, uh, the overall story. And, and because it's a recruitment story, you basically now have your potential, you know, three-on-three -three tag match, you know, uh, whatever going forward. So I will say that that, that was a positive to take out of this. And I like that Rio and Statlander didn't try to take advantage of the spots that happened because of the interference from the nightmare collective. You know, there was one point where it looked like Statlander was going to dive onto Rio in the ring. And then she dove outside of the ring onto uh, awesome Kong. So that stuff I did enjoy. Cause it kind of 
kept up with their characters and the inherent um, goodness of their their face uh, roles right now. So I, I think that was a positive that we could take away from whatever that was. Fair enough. Uh, my stock down this week is uh, sadly, and this hurts me a little bit, but it's the Dark Order. I felt like their segment with Christopher Daniels started off really strong. And I I feel like there is a direction they could have gone there, whether it was Christopher Daniels joining the Dark Order or just getting beat down instead of other people coming in and making the save. Uh, I think it would have been stronger and worked out better for everyone involved uh, because there is some positive heat that you get from getting beat down, right? You get some sympathy from the audience and it creates some interest. Like, why didn't the other members of SCU come out and help Christopher Daniels? So it kind of creates a question there. And then it makes your heels look tough. Uh, What doesn't make your heels look tough or cause us to take them seriously is them getting beat up and chased off and not getting to finish their beatdown of someone who refused an offer. I thought the promo work from Evil Uno was really strong and some of the best on-mic work that we've gotten from him in AEW. But I was really disappointed that they didn't do more with that segment and make your heels strong. I mean, it's they're not your chicken shit, do anything to win kind of heels. That's not the character you need to be portraying with the Dark Order. If it's strength and numbers, then have them overwhelm their opponents with sheer numbers. Um, But you can't have them get chased off by a few baby faces coming out of the locker room and doing run-ins. And to your earlier point of it being an overbooked show, one less run-in makes it seem less crowded. So I think that would have made for an overall stronger segment. What did you think about that? Yeah, I so yeah, I definitely I get the thing. It seems like they don't know what the hell they're doing with the Dark Order because what two weeks ago they had him beat down the elite. I'm like, wow, okay. I I still don't buy the Dark Order, but they're putting him with the best of the best in the company, and then you don't really see them for a week. They have a, like a vignette, you know. But and then we are we ignoring the beatdown they put down on on uh Cody and 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 you know that I know the, the young bucks came out to make the save at one point which is which is I guess part of continuing it but it just seems like if you're going to elevate these guys commit to it and keep them uh them near the top I just feel like it's it's probably the thing that I'm I'm most frustrated with with uh, AW because uh I was initially out on the dark order when they debuted last summer I'm like uh I don't I don't get it they're good in the ring they're fun but I just don't get it and then they kind of flamed out in the tournament, but then they started airing the awesome, you know, uh, commercials, you know, recruitment commercials and the storyline of that bigger guy, like finally, like joining the Dark Order. Like that was really compelling, really like theatrical um, stuff. And it really caught my attention. And then I just feel like we're back to the point where like I could care. I couldn't I could care less. I could care. I couldn't. Couldn't. Care less. Couldn't. I could, <laughs> couldn't care less. Things I know that saying. Like 99% of the time, I think the microphone freaked me out here, but I couldn't, I really couldn't care less about them right now, um, which is frustrating because I think they did made a lot of goodwill. Um, and then it, it felt crowded because they had the Pentagon stuff during this match too, where he was, you know, messing with Christopher Daniels head. So uh, it just, it's, it's, I wanted, wanted to see these matches, you know, uh, 
kind of gain momentum and, and the focus be on the wrestlers. And it just time after time, especially because it went from the women's championship match into the Sammy Christopher Daniels match. So basically 40 minutes of the show got, had all these distractions in it. So I really didn't, didn't enjoy that stretch of time. It was a very frustrating 40 minutes of the show to watch. I didn't mind Penta coming out. I didn't mind Sammy getting another win via distraction. Uh, Cause that could very well become a part of his character and, as braggadocious and into himself as he is, I feel like that plays very well for Sammy to have these illegitimate wins that he doesn't see as being illegitimate, but with it leading directly into that Dark Order segment. And then the Dark Order segment basically going nowhere made it feel somewhat unnecessary. I kind of feel like they're biding their time with the Dark Order and whoever this supreme leader that they're referring to, whenever that individual is freed up from another contract, rumors aside, uh, who that may be, uh, that could make them more legitimate, whether that's a disgruntled Matt Hardy coming in and, you know, the Dark Order is now part of the broken universe. That could be really interesting. Or if it's someone else coming in off of the indie circuit, there's a lot of places they could go. And if that's what they're doing, if they're biding their time until they're ready to do something bigger, that's fine. But maybe leave them out of that segment so that whenever that person comes in, they're taking over a stronger faction or a faction that we take more seriously. Uh, I don't like them kind of jobbing out in this instance. Yeah, exactly. I think I would have looked at that Sammy... Daniels match a lot more positively if that the, the Dark Order stuff didn't happen. If you save that segment for next week and you continue the has Christopher Daniels lost his confidence? Has he lost his uh, you know, is he losing a step? I think that would would have worked pretty naturally, but I don't feel like it was necessary for this week. Now maybe it's to set up a match at next week's show that that could possibly be the reason, but um yeah, I, I really liked Pentagon just kind of teasing him and toying with him because uh, mm-hmm. it's just such a, a heel move to do. And you know me, if, if I can get the Lucha Bros on TV, I want them on TV. So I, I really like what they were doing and like the consistency from, you know, whenever, what was that, a few weeks ago he botched that spot against Pentagon? Um, and that's a story that's continued on Dark as well. So they've yeah. they've continued to to reference the Christopher Daniels doesn't have the confidence to do the Arabian moonsault. And he's been doing other moves, but just not the Arabian moonsault. So yep. uh, that's definitely something they've they've been consistent with. And I do like that through line between the different shows. Yeah, it's definitely I, I've I've been enjoying that. And I I I like I don't, I'm not even necessarily mad that the Dark Order is trying to recruit someone because the whole idea is if you're lost and you're at the bottom and you don't really know where to go, we're here and you can join us and we'll make you better. So it makes sense if you're building a confident storyline with Christopher Daniels that he would potentially be a victim for the Dark Order. I just didn't like that it immediately bled into after the match. Uh when we already had a pretty overbooked previous match with the women's championship. So um, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about that. Well, I think we want it to be more like Raven's flock and less like yes. the social outcasts. <laughs> I love the social outcasts. <laughs> they were great. Well, if Bo Dallas comes in and he's the Supreme leader, you know, I'll pop for that. Uh, so what's your stock up for this week? 
yeah, I feel like we started the show really negative this week. <laughs> like, um, I don't. I remember us being worried, like, because we love AEW so much. Like, are we gonna have really negative things to say? And the reason I was like, we got to record is because I needed to say what I needed to say about those two segments. But I, I, I think the, I think a big stock up for this week is uh, everything with Moxley, and I, I, I really enjoys the tease, and I kind of got you know, some like NWO vibes from when he like took off the jacket, had the t-shirt on, you know, was doing the posing with them. Like it felt very clicky um, from back in the day, a little DX. And I was like, okay, I, I didn't feel like he was going to join. Even after he said it, I was like, they're going to, he's going to twist at some point. He's going to twist at some point. But uh, I, I came away really enjoying that segment. And I like that Jericho took some bubbly to the face um i thought that was a really cool spot especially just how much bubbly has been become a part of the jericho persona now uh and i know that was probably some sort of fake glass but that still looked like it hurt like hell um i think it it's the natural way for this story to go i feel like we're definitely gonna get moxley versus jericho at revolution um but i also like that moxley like got the car (laughs) like 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 after all that saying, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I can't be bought and stuff. He t- he basically stole a million dollars from him. It's like the best Ocean Thirteen, Ocean Eleven's con you could hope for. Um, yeah. And I really hope we get. I I know the other wrestling company loves to destroy cars, but man, I would love to see Moxley just go ham on that thing. And <laughs> he went a little meta in his uh, promo because he said, "I can't be bought." And we all know what the other wrestling company was offering him. They were offering him a boatload of money to not leave last year. So I thought that was a really good uh, kind of tie into his whole journey to AEW. Anyways, uh, what what were your impressions on that that whole segment and that uh, that whole situation? So if I, I thought it was really good. If I had one critique, it's that it went on just a little bit too long there was a long period of time when the crowd wasn't reacting at all, right? There was the initial boos when he said that he was going to join. And then it was like the crowd realized, wait a minute, there's X amount of time left in the show. This isn't it. There was like a collective consciousness that realized we're waiting for something. And then they just waited, right? It wasn't, it was anticipation, but it was kind of quiet and the viewing experience was weird. It just made it seem like the segment was falling a little bit flat. Um, The payoff was worth it. The payoff was really good. I just feel like the pacing could have been a touch better. Uh, I did enjoy, and I noticed that uh, Jake Hager was supposed to get a bottle of the bubbly to the head as well, but Mox broke it when he picked it up. He grabbed (laughs) it too hard and it broke in his hands. So, uh, and it was kind of funny because, because Hager was just standing there and then Mox like shrugged and rolled out of the ring and, and ran off with the keys. But yeah, he totally went for another bottle and it broke right in his hands. So that was kind of awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, it like one of those like sugar glass or something. Yeah, you know, definitely. Definitely. Squeezed it a little um, too hard. I didn't, I gotta, I'm gonna have to rewatch that just to see that. Cause, um, or maybe, maybe Moxley is just that freaking strong, you know? Well, I think he was amped, you know, he, he, I'm sure as a performer knew what a big segment that was Mm -hmm. and he nailed it. Like all of his line deliveries were crisp. Um, It, 
it made sense. It was a logical promo. And then he gets to the end. Nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was it, it really <laughs> had kind of a Han Solo feel to it. And yeah. Uh I, I really enjoyed the way he did that whole segment and then leaving through the crowd, getting to do all of his stuff, hitting all his beats. It was uh it was a fun segment. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I, it's funny you mentioned like how you felt it went on a little too long. That's why the whole other rest of the show being a little overbooked is even more frustrating because you probably could have, you know, done, you know, a couple more segments or a, a, maybe another match and the time you could have taken off of that final, that final segment in general. So um, I did. Uh, God, I wish I noticed the bottle breaking beforehand. I kind of I'm kind of frustrated that I didn't. Um, but something I liked about Moxley in the moments where he was acting like he was part of the uh, the inner circle, I was about to say the the dark circle i was going to confusion dance the two uh two factions but it kind of it was <laughs> nice seeing him like play a different character like he kind of played up like this amped up bro and i think it just goes to show the range he has and well i don't necessarily need to see a broy dean ambro ah uh, john moxley oh, <laughs> said, the wrong, said the wrong name I feel like we need a penalty whenever we call someone by their other wrestling company name. It's okay. Um, we all make mistakes. <laughs> uh, why I don't need a broy John Moxley. Uh, it would be cool to see him kind of, you know, play around with some different characters and personas over the next, you know, four or five years with him in AEW. So, well, and it shows when he does turn heel at some point down the line, he's going to be able to pull that off in AEW in a way that he wasn't really able to pull it off in WWE. Um, and it's still going to be a challenge because he's so over and he has, especially if he's involved in whatever's at the top of the card, he has this extra level of charisma that comes out and just makes that whatever he's doing seem more significant. It was true when he was heavyweight champion in WWE, and it's true now as he's in this heavyweight championship feud with Jericho. So uh, excited to see where that's going, and I think that was definitely a highlight from this episode. Um, I'm going to continue my trend of giving stock up to somebody who lost a match, uh, and my stock up this week goes to Mark Quinn uh, from Private Party there was a specific sequence of dives that he did that was mm -hmm. just amazing. He did four consecutive dives and they were all different. He didn't do the same one twice and just really impressive, really high energy. It looked great. Everything was on the money and he does it all in tails. I mean, what more can you ask for? There's such a cool visual component with his ring gear when he does those kind of moves and it just looks like he's having fun out there. And I really, really enjoyed that match. I thought everybody looked good. Paige looked really good in that match. Yeah. And, uh, and Mark Quinn just had that really special spotlight and it was the crowd popped for it. Really great high energy stuff. And I thought it contributed really well to that match. Yeah, that match was crazy fun. The the amount of spots, that's probably my favorite match from the night. Um, and yeah, they made Quinn look like a, a superstar on this match. And he missed a shooting star press, and it might have been one of the most beautiful shooting star presses I've ever seen. 
Um, not to mention he whipped out a 450 splash um, in the match, and Castley hit a standing Spanish fly off a double team spot, which was really impressive. And I think he hit that spot on Page, which is even more impressive considering how freaking gigantic Page is. Um, I, it, it just it, it all looked really great, and that was a really fun match. And I know they're they're teasing some stuff with uh, Page and. Um, the rest of the elite but man page and omega are a fun tag team like they're really good together they are and i i, I really enjoy the way they're slow playing this rocky relationship between page and omega because it's really compelling just constantly wondering when is this gonna break because you know it's going to eventually and they keep hitting each other but then good-naturedly shaking hands after the match and being like, no, it's okay, I understand. When is it going to happen that one of these guys doesn't understand? How is it that you hit me in this spot? Like, no, this is inexcusable. And then they're going to turn on each other and it's going to be fantastic. But the way they're building this up, um, and it is kind of a shame that that's eventually where it's going to go because they are a great tag team and they're working very well together. But but I agree. I, I think it's really, really good stuff. Yeah, and... I, I thought it was really interesting too on the spots where they like almost took each other out. It wasn't like a full on, you know, clothesline. They like, they let up on it a bit, you know? So I wonder if they're going to build up to one of those spots in a match where they just, one of them just absolutely obliterates the other. Uh, I thought they did a really good job kind of making sure those moments weren't high impact. And because mm-hmm. I think there was at least two or three in this match where they kind of pulled up and like, oh, yeah, my bad, bro. So the big ones, Paige, Paige held up on a clothesline. So that was one of them. And then the big one that made contact was uh, Omega flipping. I think it was Mark Quinn. He flipped him and Mark Quinn turned it into a kick and took out Paige, who was behind him at the yep. time. And Omega's face was priceless. Like he was like, what have I done? And yeah, yeah, so there were definitely multiple spots in the match, but then, you know, you've got that post-match kind of handshake. So definitely um, doing a really good job of sprinkling that in without making it too much and too over the top. Can can we talk a a little bit about Private Party again? Um, The the gin and juice finish, like tag team finisher, is um, so cool. And I just can't imagine the timing to get Mark Quinn to, you know, jump up on the turnbuckles to do the flip. And then uh, Cassidy, right? It's um, yeah. yeah, Isaiah uh, Cassidy. To, Isaiah Cassidy to hit the the cutter. Like I'm watching a gif of it right now. And it is just such a cool, smooth looking tag team move that I haven't really seen another team do something like that uh, in my, my wrestling history. So um, props to them. And what I really like about Mark Quinn and this is just a little bit of my like musical theater nerd in me. He kind of reminds me of a uh, David Diggs, uh, Thomas Jefferson from Hamilton. Like he kind of <laughs> wore the same like coattails and he kind of had this swagger. Um, I'll send you a clip sometime, but like kind of the way he walks and the way he acts, like really reminds me of that Hamilton character. And you know, anyone who's seen it, they basically talk about, yeah, you need to have a good Hamilton in that show. You need to have a good, um burn that show but the show stealer is the jefferson the v diggs character and i think that um mark quen kind of goes with the same same energy and basically can steal any show that he's on so yeah i 
all in on those guys. I really like what they bring to the table. I didn't realize their record was only four and eight. Like, I want to get, I want to see. Them yeah, they've taken a lot of L's. They've taken a yeah. lot of L's. Um, but they're they're really fun to watch. They're just electric every time they're in the ring. Um, Isaiah Cassidy's shrieking is just <laughs> oh, <love> so <laughs> so funny. Um, my wife loves that. She thinks it's hilarious every time he does it. She pops huge for that. So um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> every that's, time he that's got a, chopped, I heard it's a fun it. I'm spot. Like, what? What is that? And like, it took like three or four more chops for me to realize that. <laughs> That was Isaiah Cassidy. And I think I had to rewind it to laugh more about it. Like it was so, so funny. And they're they're great. And sometimes sometimes he does it when he's selling. Sometimes he does it when he's on offense. I mean, it's just it's such a, a big part of his work in the ring, and it's really fun. Um, my only complaint about gin and juice is I feel like gin and juice should be a better protected move. Um yeah. No one should kick out of it. I mean, it should be 3D. It should be the Shatter Machine. It should be take your pick of moves that don't get kicked out of because it's it's too good. You know, if somehow someone manages to interfere and break up the pin, that's fine. But, I mean, it's it's such a great finisher. It deserves that level of protection. So uh, I'd like to see that a little bit more. That's the thing. They do a good job of protecting some of the other uh, guys' and women's uh, finishers. Like, I don't think anyone's kicked out of the um, the one-way angel in AEW. Um, I don't think anyone's kicked out of the Judas effect. So, you know, they do a good job with that. It, I guess when your team's, you know, four and eight, kind of hard to protect your finisher, but they still want people to see your mm-hmm. finisher. So, yeah, um, yeah well, I get that. If though. you can protect the garbage fire that is the Judas effect... You should be able to protect gin and juice. <laughs> yeah, they're not Jericho though. <laughs> they I'm sure they don't get as much. Yeah, as well, Mister Y2J, la champion. So we got a DDP sighting this week. Yes. Kind of amazing. <laughs> I I could not wipe the grin off my face the entire time. Uh, DDP was one of my favorites as a kid, and uh, seeing him out there in the ring cutting that promo talking about how long it's been since he's been on TV. And at first I thought the T N T A E W, like all of the three letter acronyms that he was saying in the same cadence, like it felt kind of cheesy, but the more he did it, the more it worked for me. And and the more I was just into it and excited to see what was going to happen with DDP on TNT on AEW and you know just give me give me more I'm so excited for this match this upcoming week Uh, I want to see what he can do at 64 years old what's going to happen when he gets in the ring and can he still go because I want to see it yeah it's it was very a very old school promo like I got very I got a ton of WCW vibes because also the camera work was a little different. Like he was talking directly into the camera. It wasn't like wide panned or anything like that. Um, so it definitely felt old school. And I wondered, you know, hey, he's from a different era. You know, that's probably how they did a lot of promos back in the day. And I really enjoyed it. I also liked that MJF was like diddling on his phone in the background on it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like millennial here can't pay attention because the old man's just going on and on and on. Um so I really, really enjoyed that. I also just loved like 
it was DX level, like, like promotion with all of the DDP yoga stuff, all of his social media accounts. Like I couldn't help but chuckle with that. Cause like you got always gotta be putting yourself over. So um, I love DDP too. Uh, I, I have a, a long history of uh, watching him and he's one of my favorite movie villains of all time and ready to rumble. I do the yoga. I have a DDP <laughs> yoga tea. Like I'm all about some DDP and uh, he had a spot in the Royal Rumble a few years ago where he just gave people diamond cutters for like five minutes. And I don't even care that he did nothing else. That was wonderful. But uh, a- another positive of that segment that I really enjoyed is that like, he presented the diamond ring to MJF and I know they had some tension in words then. So it's just another example of like AEW paying attention to its own Canon. And I know there was a, a, a joke, not a joke. It actually happened uh, earlier this year where the other wrestling company was looking to hire someone to help them with continuity <laughs> to make sure yeah. that like things that happened, you know, two years ago are, are remembered. And I just like that there are, stuff like this is building on top of each other, even though it was two or three months ago, like they did a good job of reminding you why there's heat between DDP and MJF and why we should care. Very similar to the, the Darby Allen Cody thing. Like their last match was seven months ago and it took two weeks to remind us, Oh yeah, they had this awesome story and you could see the evolution of both characters since then. So um, just, just props for them being able to do that and recognize that. Um, and that's something that I think we both always wanted from the other company. Absolutely. I think the, uh, the <laughs> required experience and knowledge is any nerd from the internet for that uh, continuity role. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's remarkable to me, the stuff that they don't remember about their own product. And I get it, right? When you're in it, when you're doing it week in and week out, it's hard to have that attention to detail and to remember when you're just constantly writing new content to remember what you just did and what you did six months ago, what you did a year ago, what you did five years ago. Um, so I, I get that, but that also just makes it more impressive that AEW is keeping up with that and referencing things that have happened, you know, 20 years ago or more, because there is a lot of WCW love that takes place on a weekly episode of Dynamite. So. Um, I definitely get those vibes as well. One more thing to say about that segment. Sure. Once again, MJF is just a heat-seeking missile. Uh, Once again, we got our MJF t-shirt of the week. WCW is dead, and dead is the average age of your fans. (laughs) Yeah, that was a killer line. Damn. And then he took it up a notch where he basically says, I'm going to fuck your daughter. Like, Like, holy crap. And... It was so perfect because it, it was his whole thing was going to end by saying, bang, you know, we can send you straight to mm-hmm. hospice, take one of those diamond dollars of yours, lay them down in my bed. And then he said, bang, as soon as he got clocked. And I just, oh, it's just so good. And I, I can't I can't say enough about MGF. Uh, he, he's great. I I didn't like that. My my butcher and the blade looked like chumps to a 60 year old man. Um but I'm hoping that we get to see them really show out next week in that uh, three-on-three match they have advertised. Um, and then one other little thing about this. So this segment happened right after the Cody-Dustin Lucha Bros match. 
would they not run into each other in Gorilla? Like, like in Lily, Co- uh, Arn Anderson said, we'll let you know next week. They walk into the back. I think it was a commercial, and boom, MJF. Like, there can't be that many different pathways back there. Well, that's why I they have two tunnels. To, <laughs> I guess, but, like, I know we're supposed to send, suspend disbelief, but my, my brain was saying, like, why doesn't Cody just, like, why doesn't Cody just have Dustin kick him in the balls right here? He didn't touch him, so the match is still on. It, it's nitpicking, but, like, it, it, my brain just immediately thought of that. So, uh, remember that gorilla position is not kayfabe. So, I know. I know. you can't critique the kayfabe story based on non-kayfabe elements. That's not even nitpicking. That's just, like metagame outside thinking like you're not even confining yourself to the reality of the show that's put in front of you so so i'm gonna i'm gonna give a big wag of the finger to that (laughs) well like like i said i was saying i'm like wait a second like they literally would have just crossed paths so i know i know it's it's yeah they're also friends so i know you know know, but but he kicked him in the balls so am i allowed to hate mjf or not so like i said it was a stupid nitpicky thing, but I literally been thinking about that for like six days now, like literally the entire every day. I'm like, huh? So I just have. Yeah, to every day this. I think about how if you give someone an Irish whip in real life, they don't actually run as soon as you let go of their arm, unless they're really small, you know, like a toddler. Well, that's not running. They, they that's literally throwing a human. Throw that's it? different. <laughs> yeah. Well, back to you. <laughs> so I have a I have a concept. I have a concept, and I want I want your opinion on this concept. First off, big pop for Marco Stunt, who I know you're not a big fan of. Uh, <laughs> but something occurred to me, and I was it was something very visual that took place in this match. And I'm watching Marco Stunt in the ring, and I'm like, huh. Marco Stunt is the scrappy do of AEW. <laughs> really? He's small. He can't actually do anything to you, but he will chest up to anyone and uh, hilarity ensues. So, uh, you know, I, I think I have a concept here. What do, what do you think? I mean, all we got to do is get Marco's stunt to just start screaming puppy power. And uh, <laughs> I think I might believe you, but yeah. And he has a similar looking bigger rest, uh, wrestler holding him back, which is the Scooby-Doo. To exactly. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be able to unsee about... it now. Yeah, I'm going to so, think about Scrappy-Doo uh, I... for the next six days. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that match was really great. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, Jurassic Express getting a much needed win and going over. I'm um, kind of continuing the theme uh, from that interview with uh, Jungle Boy, where he said that you know he wanted to start off the year by getting a win and building off of the momentum that he got from surviving his ten minutes with Jericho, and I think that's a really good position for them to be on the card, especially now that Luchasaurus is back, gives him a little bit more clout, a little bit more legitimacy. So I thought they looked really good. Um, a specific spot from that match that I wanted to talk about was Orange Cassidy whipping out the stunner um, out of that. I don't even know what to call it, the setup for that spot. But I mean, that was so slick. 
And it's made all the more impressive by his general working style because you don't expect him to move quickly. And then when all of a sudden the sloth springs into action, it, it yeah. kind of takes your breath away. It's really impressive. So um, I thought he did more work in that match than we've seen from him in all of his AEW appearances between yeah, probably. the different dives and spots that he was involved in. And I mean, he just absolutely has the best gimmick in pro wrestling. Uh, it's really it's, good. It's really good. I mean, the guy takes hardly any bumps and he gets huge reactions from the crowd. I don't think there's anyone who's more over than Orange Cassidy. When he gets tagged in and he d does the hands in pockets and does his little kicks and does the setup for his super kick that never lands. I mean, nothing in the company is more over than that right now. It's huge and uh, just so much fun to watch. Yeah, there was actually a pretty funny Twitter exchange after this match. I think Jungle Boy, like he took a he took a, a blow to the head. It's like, man, you know uh, that that Trent or that Chucky really knows what like they're doing. Um, or no, from Orange Cassidy. And then Luchasaurus says, "Well, you should have felt his kicks. <laughs> like <laughs> it was like the kicking it, like the tapping the shin spot." Yeah, and I just yep. love when like they live their characters on the internet and. That was just like a really funny like tweet to make about, you know, the Orange Cassidy character. And yeah, you're right. This is probably the most we've seen him work. I saw him at a GCW show uh, the night before All Out in Chicago, and he was the most over person at the event. And a ton of people left after his match, even though there were two more matches on the card, because people were like, oh, I saw Orange Cassidy. I don't need to do anything else. So um, I like I like his. Uh, him teaming up with the best friends. I think it's like a natural fit for his character. And I definitely want to see him do more because he is, he's so, he's so freaking good. And like how he just stands there in the middle of their best friend hug just like works too. Like it's yeah, they, they got something good in orange Cassidy and I am so close to buying his, uh, what freshly squeezed t-shirt. Um, yeah. Pretty solid. I need any more t-shirts, but it's, it's on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think stuff like that, right? This match with Jurassic Express and Best Friends, Paige and Omega. I mean, all of this stuff just goes to show that even on an episode that overall felt overbooked, crowded, a little bit messy, and, you know, overall not their best there's still so much fun and so much to see and so much to like. And, you know, when an episode of raw is bad or an episode of SmackDown is bad, it just leaves you feeling like you just wasted the last two or three hours of your life. And yeah. even a subpar episode of dynamite. And I do think it's fair to say that this episode was subpar. I'm still glad I watched it. I'm still Oh, for happy sure. and there there are things that i can talk about that i'm excited about that i'm excited to see where they go so um i think that's that's a really cool thing and a really positive thing for them moving forward yeah and thank god for tag team wrestling because the tag team wrestling on this show saved it between the lucha bros and the Rhodes brothers uh the six-man tag match and then the um private party versus two of the elite like 
those were all my positives pretty much came from those three matches and everything else I didn't like weren't in those matches. So um, they definitely have that edge over probably every other wrestling company, maybe not NJPW, but <coughs> sorry, coughing. I had to meet myself. for. Please second, excuse so. my uh, tag team partner <laughs> while he dies off mic. Um. Yep, I'm dying. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think that's something they can really lean their hat on. And when you look at the tag teams who weren't even on the show tonight in terms of like a wrestling capacity, you had SEU, you had the Bucks, you had <coughs> TakeOver. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's a lot going on in the tag division. And you also still have the uh, storyline in the background, if they decide to keep going with it, of Sean Spears looking for his tag partner. So I think that's another thing that can pick back up and you know, Tully Blanchard working with him to try to find that perfect tag team partner so that he can get involved in that division. I think there's a lot they can do there. Um, And speaking of tag team wrestling, before we, you know, call it, uh, let's look ahead to next week. Got a big four-way number one contendership match, four tag teams going at it, and really excited to see what comes out of Bash at the Beach on the 15th. Yo, that match is going to be insane. It is, what is it? It is Young Bucks, Paige Omega, so four members of the Elite, uh, Proud and Powerful, and who am I missing? What's the last team of that? (laughs) Has it been announced? I I wasn't sure if all four had been announced yet. It got announced on the the show. I'm just forgetting who the third, fourth team was. Oh, the best friends and the best friends. (laughs) <laughs> despite taking losses constantly they they keep getting put in big spots but exactly. i'm not going to complain uh, about it no and that's going to be an awesome match um i just i can't i can't fathom some of the spots that we're going to see in that match so well i think what's most interesting going into this match is uh page and omega and the bucks being in this match together because you know they've got this ongoing storyline of Paige no longer being in the elite. Omega doesn't seem like he's really okay with that, trying to bring Paige back into the fold. And then they're going to be squaring off with the Bucks. That showdown that we know we're going to see at some point during this match where the other two tag teams have been cleared out by one thing or another, and it's Paige and Nick Jackson or you know any combination thereof, and they have to square off. That's good drama. That's good TV. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yep. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for, especially if they really do up the theme and they have a special set piece that they can use for this bash at the beach thing. And it's more than just a name and a cool graphic. Um, I think this could end up being a pretty special episode. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. I like how they have these special episodes because it's the same set every week, but you know, I know it's we had the Memphis theme this week and it was a blink and you miss type of thing, but it gives you something to look forward to. And I really love the bash at the beach, like colors, you know, the, the Miami vice, it's very Miami vice. Yeah. Yeah. Which our logo is kind of Miami vice. <clears throat> so <laughs> I just really like that. They're leaning into the history here. And I like how bash in the beach kind of bleeds into the Jericho cruise in two weeks too where they're taping an episode of dynamite. So it's, it's just kind of, it, it all makes sense. And um, but yeah, we also will have Chris Datlander and Hikaru Shida, Shida 
versus um was it awesome kong and mel i believe was the announced match yep. mm-hmm. and i'm i'm finally excited to see there being some momentum on the nightmare uh collective um storyline even though i wasn't a fan of how it went down this week i'm tired of the vignettes i'm tired of them just cutting people's hair like i want to see them in action i want to see what they can do you know we've seen four months of the inner circle being a badass we know what the elite are you know this is supposed to be the forefront faction of the women's division so i'm ready to see it kind of kick off and see where it goes from here definitely um i think the nightmare collective definitely needs to be getting involved in matches so this is a good move forward i think that something that could have helped this segment this week had been if there had been a little bit more development through vignettes particularly of luther because prior to this we had just seen the back of his head one time and that's not (laughs) enough to really you know get a reaction so i think that segment could have been improved had it happened a couple of weeks down the line um, particularly with luther getting involved and they could have built that up a little bit better um this is something we've noticed with AEW in the past is they present something and they kind of expect that you know what it is and they don't really mm-hmm. care if you don't uh and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because uh, eventually you figure it out right like when the yeah. dark order initially showed up they got no reaction. Nobody knew who they were. I didn't know who they were. You didn't know who they were. And, you know, we had to figure that out. And we did. And it's fine now. And I think that'll continue to happen. But there's an opportunity to do some old school vignettes. And, you know, the Glacier vignettes were great until Glacier debuted and Glacier sucked. So as yeah. long as you deliver something that's good off of your vignettes, it does a lot to enhance, build that anticipation, and give people something to look forward to and be excited about. It also lets people know that some level of change is on the horizon. It's not just going to be the same cast of characters <laughs> presented in the same way that we're going to be seeing over and over again. So uh, I am excited for that match, and I want to see more from all of the members of the nightmare collective. So hopefully we'll get that. Yep. And yeah, it's very similar to what you were saying with the dark order with also the butch and the blade. I remember like, who the hell are these guys? And then a week later I was like, Holy crap. I love these guys. Like, but if you gave a few vignettes and then you surprise us with the alley reveal when they debut, like that could have been a way to get them over right off the bat. So, um, yeah, great point there. Uh, then we have John Moxley versus his former uh, inner circle team member, Sammy Guevara, uh, which has been announced. And that should just be wicked fun. Like, just let them work for 10, 15 minutes. I don't think I don't think Guevara is going to steal this win like he has the last two weeks. But uh, that should be a a fun way to formally kick off this John Moxley Jericho inner circle feud. So I'm going to pitch my reason why Guevara should win this match. Um, Right now, Moxley's in control. And that's not really a good narrative in the whole babyface heel structure, right? Heels need to be punching up. Or sorry, heels need to be punching down. Babyfaces need to be punching up. And so they need to do something to turn the tables and fire up that anger 
in Moxley and put him in his position where it does feel like he's the underdog because he humiliated the inner circle this week. So uh, I think if they can find a way for someone to get involved, to distract him, maybe Jericho can steal the car back and, and that provides enough of a distraction for Guevara to hit some move on Moxley and, and steal the win. I don't think it, kills his momentum for him to take a cheap loss here, especially if it's done in such a way that, you know, it, it doesn't make him look like a chump and it doesn't make him look weak. So I think there's an opportunity there and that continues to build Guevara and give him that false sense of confidence because, Hey, I've won three matches in a row. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't earn any of them, but that doesn't matter for his kind of cocky heel character. So I think it could serve to develop everything and everyone involved if they were to give that win to Guevara in the match. So we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I mean, this whole, this whole feud's been interesting because you could see it going a bunch of different ways. So definitely curious to see what they do there. Um, then we have the Diamond Dallas Page return with QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes versus MJF and the Butcher and the Blade with the Bunny. Um, I'm really just ready to see what DDP has. I'm, I'm not trying to you know get too hyped about it because like, he is, what, 60-something? Which I wish I looked that 64. good at twenty. Yeah, I wish I looked that good at twenty nine, as he looks at sixty four. I wish I looked as good as Christopher Daniels does at twenty nine. So, kudos for them for being just in awesome shape. But uh, it's 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 gonna be exciting, and uh, I like how they're kind of continuing to keep Cody and MJF separate, even though they're advancing the stories through their own promos and their own like when was the last time we saw the two of them in the ring together? It might've been when Jericho beat Cody for the title. Like that might've been the last time. So um, I love how they're, they're advancing the story without them necessarily having to be involved with each other every single week. You know, that's a very other wrestling company thing to do to make sure our two, we to constantly remind us these two people are feuding by having them run in or, you know, be on screen together. So uh, I think this is another good thing for MJF. Definitely glad to see the Butcher and the Blade back on TV because I love those guys and I want to see them run roughshod over the tag team division coming up and just see them, you know, more in general. So that should, it should be a fun match. And it's a weird, weird face pairing with Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall and DDP, not the combination of wrestlers I would expect to see (laughs) in 2020, but here we are. It kind of makes sense, though, because they're all very closely positioned to Cody. So they're probably the three nearest proxies that you could choose. Um, And I know you don't you didn't watch the early episodes of Dark, but Cody's relationship with QT Marshall was one of the things that was talked about on on, I think, the first episode of Dark, if not one of the first two. So, you know, that that's something that fits in for that reason and uh he also was one of the guys who ran out to make the save um when uh ddp got attacked by um the butcher and the blade so there's that continuity there as well um but it'll it'll be interesting to see and i think it's going to be a fun episode coming up i'm looking forward to it yep and then the last match that's been announced this should be a freaking doozy uh 
Pac versus Darby Allen, and there's going to be flips. Many, many, <laughs> many flips. Not not the flip yeah. we all want in AEW, but flips in general. It's going to be a lot of them, and I can't wait to see what these two can do in a ring and what story they can tell. Um, and I hope that is the main event because I need to see Pac. You know, we know, is it Pac or Pac? It's Pac. It right? Pac. It's Pac. Shit. It's Pac. Pac. Um, Adrian Neville. Neville. <laughs> um, I, I, we know he's a badass. We know he's a bastard. We know that he is so damn good. And I think we, I think we just need a general reminder. Like he's a big deal. Put him in the main event. Let him and Darby go. And I'm curious to see where they go with Pack because I, he's been basically tormenting Omega to to get his his rubber match. And I I feel like we're gonna get that at some point. And Pack still has some uh, bad blood with um, Hangman Page too. So. I thought we were going in that direction a few weeks ago when we recorded that we were going to get some pack hangman page, uh, Kenny Omega stuff going on. But honestly, I, I kind of like this, you know, pack basically demanding this match. So, uh, I, I expect the two of, I expect pack and Darby Allen to show out and this should just be a, an incredibly fun and exciting match. Well, I mean, you say Darby Allen and I'm there. Like full stop. <laughs> That's all I need to know is that Darby Allen's having a match. And uh, I don't think there is anyone in the company that I'm more interested in seeing more from um, than, than Darby Allen. A lot of the other talent in the company I've seen other places. So, you know, as great as Ray Phoenix is as great as Kenny Omega is, you know, all of the other talents in the company, I've spent a lot more time with them than I have with Darby Allen. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of his matches. And I agree. I hope this, this match gets a big spot or, you know, maybe it opens the show. That's another big spot. It's another way to give him that spotlight and give him 20 minutes to just go nuts and leave it all in the ring. So uh, we could see some really neat stuff and I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's it for bash at the beach. I'm excited for it. Uh, I think I watched the Bash of the Beach, Bash at the Beach as a kid, so hoping to get some nostalgia in this. Um, I got I got a quick quick question to pose you because uh, I know you're not a big Twitter guy. I know you you know you you don't follow a lot of the wrestlers and stuff, but Kenny did an interesting uh, Q and A last week on Twitter. He was in between flights, I think, and he was just opening it up for fans to ask questions, and you now he gave some pretty honest responses to it. And someone asked him about his like role in AEW and what he wants to see going forward. And he, he made a statement that he's already like, I, I'm paraphrasing here. I, I might not be a hundred percent exactly what he said, but he basically said all my dreams in wrestling have already come true. And now I'm ready to basically mm-hmm. help the future. What do you think AEW needs more right now? Do you think it needs Kenny at the top? five-star best bout machine or kind of this role he's been doing where everyone knows he's a big deal. He's getting big matches, but he's not, he hasn't consistently been at the top of the card since probably all out. And he's been really involved with the women's division. Like we've, uh, we've all read and heard about that. He's basically booking that division 
and I'm kind of just curious of of that statement and and kind of what you think AEW really needs because I think we might differ on that. But well, I think there's two questions, right? Question number one is what does AEW need? Question number two is what does Kenny need? Because coming into AEW, I felt like Kenny needed rest. He had been constantly hurt throughout his run in New Japan and just putting on these insane matches and what he was putting his body through and the amount of work he had to do to keep himself ready to put on these insane five-star matches with Okada. So I think that's a big part of it. And the way I read his comments was like, for now, I'm happy taking a backseat and helping other people to you know, realize their goals and dreams for now. And I think AEW is okay with that as well. We all know Kenny's going to have his moment. He's going to have his run. He's going to be on top. He's going to be the guy. But he's such a big name already. I don't think it's critical for him to be in that spot immediately. You know, Jericho has done a great job of bringing eyes to the product and, uh, making it a big deal and making it familiar enough for the lapsed fan to want to come back into it, um, but also offering that credibility so that, you know, maybe you peel off a few uh, fans from other companies because they've just been loyal Chris Jericho marks their whole lives. So I think he's well positioned in that spot. And you know, Moxley coming in as kind of the fresh product that's well known to the U.S. audience. I think he's well positioned. So I don't think Omega needs to be in that traffic jam at the top right now. Mm -hmm. Now, if we get two, three years down the line and Omega hasn't sniffed the title and, you know, that's a problem because then you're wasting one of the greatest talents in the world. And Ever. having them while away <laughs> in the tag division or, you know, doing whatever. But I feel like he's been utilized very well to build other talents without diminishing himself. And uh, I, I know he's going to have his moment in the sun, whether that's, you know, sometime later on this year or, you know, as they move towards their big pay-per-views, assuming that's going to be, you know, September going to be the big spot again this year. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, you know, there's, there's a lot to yet to come and, you know, we have to remember they started in October. It's just now January. It's only been a few months. So give it time. And the other thing is if he was going to suddenly be in the championship figure, uh, picture next month, it's not like he'd be saying that on Twitter. So, of course, everybody of course. could also be getting worked. <laughs> I mean, it's wrestling. You always have to be prepared to be worked. Uh, I, it's a good point you make about Jericho coming in and Moxie coming in. I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that the first two pay-per-view challengers for Jericho have been ex other company guys, Cody and Moxley. I think that was done like on purpose to try and get those lapsed fans or casual fans of the other company to check this out because if you watched the, the other company for so long, you knew exactly what Cody and, and Moxley were doing there. And I'm sure that would be enough to try and get eyes onto this product. So um, no, that, that's, that's a really good answer. And I know I've been on the train of like, I want more Omega. I want more Omega. I want more Omega because when, you know, 
when this whole thing was announced, I was like, oh my God, we're going to get to see Omega on American TV. Like it was really hard sometimes to watch those NJPW shows because of the time difference. And it was just going to be nice to be able to see him again. Now I have, I have not been disappointed when he has been in the ring. He's still doing what I expect from a Kenny Omega, but you know, I, I have been kind of wanting to see him further up the card and I, I, I'm making a prediction. I have a feeling that the main event of All Out 2 next year, if that's their WrestleMania, would be Omega Jericho 2 for the title. I, I have a feeling that this Jericho run is going to go on until we get to that point. So uh, be curious to see if uh, I'm proven right. But I thought that was just a fun question to 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 get your opinion on because I know you're a huge Kenny guy too. So Absolutely. Cool. Well, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? I think it's getting rather close to my bedtime here. Yeah, let me let me check the notes here. Um, we talked about. Yeah, I I I was a little like I wasn't looking forward to the Memphis Legends thing, but I think I literally looked away and it was over. Like it was so short. There was no like I was hoping to get like a rub for one of the younger guys by messing with the Memphis guys, but. Um, it was really fast, really quick. Not that we needed to devote a ton of time to the legends of Memphis, but they built that up as a big theme. You know, they had a custom graphics and everything. And I feel like it was barely a part of the show. So eh, not, not even something I'm negative about, but it was just kind of weird to me, but yeah, I mean, it, it was not really very present. They had the, for the first match, they had the guest announcer who I thought, did a great job. Um, and goodness, what a tremendous voice for broadcasting. I mean, yes. <laughs> really, really great voice. Um, he could have stuck around for the whole show and it wouldn't have bothered me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a little bit underwhelming um, to see what they actually did versus how much time they had spent the previous week saying, and next week mm-hmm. we're going to honor the legends of Memphis wrestling. So so I definitely agree with that. And hopefully when they do these kind of themes in the future, they'll give it more attention. I think we're going to get to see a little bit of whether or not that's true uh, with this bash at the beach. Does that theme really come through or is it just fancy graphics? Yeah. I kind of hope that these themes have kind of a, a lasting impact throughout the entirety of the show. You know, I don't want it to be just, you know, sometimes the other wrestling comes like, hey, we're in historic, blah, 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 blah. And then it, that's the only reference the entire show. Um, but because we don't get pay-per-views every month with this company, which is a good thing. You know, we only have maybe four to five a year is the rumored. You know, it, it's nice to have these shows where they can differentiate a bit. And I think that this Bash in the Beach is a good, good way to do it. And then they're going to be doing an episode from the cruise. So that should be able to kind of like get our appetites satisfied. Um, but I'd like to see them do this more often, not more often, but I'd like to see the, the themes kind of stick. So um, we'll definitely see in the next few months, one last random comment. This is not relating to wrestling at all, but they had an uncut gems commercial during the show last week when I was watching it and it had a Billy Joel song stiletto. And it's a great freaking song. And if you haven't seen that movie, it is amazing. It is two and a half hours of pure anxiety. So if you're an anxious person, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not for you, but it was just such a treat. And uh, yeah, I've been thinking about that movie just as long as I've been thinking about 
Cody and MGF walking with each other backstage at Gorilla. So completely random. Well, I just uh, <laughs> suffered through Star Wars Episode Nine, so I don't see myself going back to the theater anytime soon. Uh, but I'll definitely uh, keep an eye on it for uh, for when that comes out on demand because I was interested in seeing it. I uh, love some Kevin Garnett, so definitely want to check yeah, that K- out. KG was great, man. And uh, just a little housekeeping for everyone listening. Uh, we're all over social media. You can find us at Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Um, we're on Facebook as The Other Wrestling Show. And we're on Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. And if you have any questions or you want to just interact with us, you can also email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. Uh, hope to hear from you guys. And Joel, any other finishing comments from this week's Dynamite? Or we get to wrap this shit up. Hey, if you like the show, support the show. Please give us a rating and a review. really helps us out. We're trying to get started. Um, and uh, we're new at this, so expect us to get better as we go. And uh, looking forward to spending more time uh, chatting about wrestling and uh, marking out over AEW. Also really random. I had a, I had the, I had last week's Dynamite playing on my other, other monitor during the show and it just finished and it just immediately cut to what, whatever was on TNT and it's just Mark Wahlberg's face. And that is now my last impression <laughs> of this of this podcast session. So, fuck me. Oh man, I'm you're not gonna be able to go to bed right for now. a while. You, yeah, it's fr- you got to get that image out of your head. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to look at pictures of The Rock or something. So, Mister yeah. Questions himself. <laughs> what? Who? Where? I'm from Boston. Where are you from? <laughs> uh, Wahlburgers is gross. Don't eat there. It's the worst burger joint in Boston. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> and this episode is brought everyone. to you by Wahlburgers. <laughs> Tasty Burger is way better, but we're getting out of Boston <laughs> locale for now. But uh, Joel, fun as always, and uh, I guess everyone, we'll, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>